Welcome to the Wonder by the Word podcast, where we walk through the Bible chronologically in a year. I'm your host, Brittany Rust, and on this podcast, I break down our daily readings from the Wonder by the Word reading plan and community so that we can all have better theology and grow in our faith. In case you're just now finding us, the Wonder by the Word plan can be found on version or on my website. Wonder by the Word is sponsored by Truth and Grace Ministries. Learn more at BrittanyRust.com. Hello and welcome to day eight of the Wondered by the Word podcast. We are taking a look at Job chapters 10 through 13 today. We had previously been in Genesis, but if you remembered, we pivoted after the Tower of Babel over to the book of Job and we're sitting there for a bit before we return to Genesis next week. Now, the book of Job is a book of wisdom and it shows us how to suffer and we learn that by examining the life of a man named Job. And Job was someone who loved God, but he lost so much and he suffers deeply. And we get a glimpse into that and how to walk through suffering. Now, today we're in chapters 10 through 13. And as we take a look at Job chapter 10, it's a continuation of his speech that he started in chapter nine, which we looked at in the previous episode. That was a response to Bildad. And so he's continuing this response to Bildad. Now, remember, Bildad echoes previous statements made by the other friends that Joe must have had hidden sin in his life. And then he tries to apply natural law of sowing and reaping to the situation. And Job, in response, acknowledges that man is no equal to God. Job doesn't you know, back down in his belief of who God is. And so in chapter 10, he's continuing that sentiment and he continues with a plea to God in chapter 10. Job acknowledges that God has granted him his life to begin with, and it is God's care that has preserved him. And so Job is keenly aware that it has only been because of God that he has any good things in life. But there's this tension right alongside of his acknowledgement, a tension of still wondering why he was green to life only to, to be in such agony. And so we see Job wrestling with this deep, deep grief and, and feeling hopeless in the midst of knowing God is mighty and good. And I don't know about you, but I've, I've lived in that tension before where things are so hard and you begin to feel a little bit hopeless, perhaps wondering what, what's the point of anything at all. But then you're still maintaining this like, man, but I, my hope is in God and I know who he is. And it's this tension that you can live in, in your grief. And we're seeing that reflected in Job. And that's why this book is such a beautiful piece of work because we can resonate with it on such a deep level. And it, and it teaches us so much about suffering. So then Job, you know, he finishes his response. And then in Job 11, his friend Zophar speaks. Um, his friend Zophar, the final of the three friends in this section of the book, he shares his thoughts. And sadly, it's honestly the harshest speech thus far. It's like each friend is increasing the insults with each speech that happens. And so, I mean, listen to this, starting in verse two, he says, should a multitude of words go unanswered and a man full of talk be judged right? Should your babble silence men? And when you mock, shall no one shame you? For you say my doctrine is pure and I am clean in God's eyes. But oh, that God would speak and open his lips to you 
and that he would tell you the secrets of wisdom for he is manifold in understanding. Know then that God exacts of you less than your guilt deserves. And his accusations here are strong against Job, a man that is supposedly his friend, a friend, quote unquote, who chooses to use such language towards someone like, like in this manner, that's not really a friend at all. I mean, this is how you fall out of, fall out of relationship with people. You can, right, and should at times when warranted, be honest and address sin, the wounds of a friend, right? But to be so harsh in this manner, it's, it's uncalled for. Zophar even attempts to put words into Job's mouth saying that Job declared himself clean. Yet Job didn't do that. Job did say he wasn't wicked in chapter 10, but he also admitted that he had sinned. So Job didn't say that he was, you know, blameless, that he was clean in all ways. And so Zophar is making these assumptions about Job and his character that were untrue. Have you ever had that happen to you? I mean, I read this passage and I can think about situations, two specific situations, in fact, where people I had trusted, mentors, um, bosses, leaders who had made these assumptions about my, even though they knew me, even though they knew me and they knew that this wasn't my character, something was triggered, right? A situation that they didn't like triggered something that then made them call into question my character. And I have to tell you that those wounds, those, those wounds hurt really deep. And to this day even, have had an impact on me. So imagine the pain Joe must be feeling from these words that his friends are making these accusations about his character. And honestly, Job's friends clearly thought they were righteous and they chastised Job, even though there was no bad fruit bearing, simply the loss in his life. They had no concept of God's intentions and yet they judged anyway. And honestly, it makes us question, like it makes you think, how often do Christians judge what we do not know? How often do we make assumptions about people when we have no understanding of what's really going on? I think sometimes we can be our biggest critics, right, within the own church. But Matthew 7, verses 3 through 5, tell us, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when they're is the log in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, again, there's times for instruction and calling out sin and giving advice, certainly, but, you know, sometimes we can make these accusations and usually they're because we've had our own trauma button pushed, you know, or insecurity button pushed. And so we make these accusations and judge people, even people we know that like, we would think, man, that's, I know that that's not, that doesn't line up with the person that I know, but we jump so quickly to that. So that's what's happened here with so far. And um, it's honestly just really unfortunate to see this all play out for Joe because man, this guy is suffering. And so after Zophar has finished talking in verses, uh, I'm sorry, in chapters 12 through 13, we see Job respond. He responds to Zophar and essentially he does three things in chapter 12. He condemns them 
for what they have said about him. He confronts their assumption that the evil um, are only punished when you can look at the world and see that even evil people have success, right? So he's confronting that assumption that they've made. And then he challenges their judgments made about his wisdom. Job is sitting here trying to defend himself. And once he has addressed the words of his three friends, he transitions over to discourse about God in chapter 13. And in verse three, he essentially wants God to, to make sense of this suffering, which, you know, that'll happen later in the book when God and Job have their moment. But he's trying to, he, he wants God to make sense of the suffering. And that is something that you and I can resonate with, that inner suffering, inner pain. Sometimes we want an answer. We want God to make sense of this. We want to see the reason behind it. Like, why did this happen to me? There's got to be a reason, right? And so that's what Job's wrestling with here. And he continues on in verse 15 by making a powerful statement. In verse 15, he says, Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Though he slay me, this is Job talking about God, I will hope in him. And this is the posture that Job has had and continues to hold. And the one which will carry him through to the end. It's also the posture that we are to take in our suffering. That even when life is hard, we will maintain our hope in a God who is good and who is faithful. It's an echo of his own words in Job chapter 2 and verse 10, where he said, Shall we receive good from God? And shall we not receive evil? And then it said, And all this Job did not sin with his lips. It was this posture that he maintained. And it was this posture that kept him from sin. If you were to walk away today with one note on suffering, let it be this. Maintain your hope in God in all seasons, even the ones you didn't ask for. In the loss, the pain, the wanting, maintain your expectation in God, uh, in God's goodness, in his sovereignty, and in his faithfulness. You know, I think about, when I read this, I think about Jose too. And this, um, that chapter portrays this really beautifully, in my opinion. The whole chapter is is honestly gold. I've, I'm actually sitting in that chapter right now because I'm going through a really difficult season, but this isn't the first time I've sat in this chapter. But I want to highlight verse 15. Verse 15 says, And make the valley of Achor a door of hope. Now, the valley of Achor, that word Achor means trouble. So essentially what we read is that a place of trouble, this valley of trouble, will become a door of hope, a gateway of hope. And what we know, we know that that hope is our God. So in the midst of trouble, hope springs forth because of God. This is an anchor for us in the suffering, in the trouble, in the valleys that God can turn something that is desolate, that he can turn the wilderness into a harvest. In fact, that's what this chapter speaks to, that God can turn a place that seems desolate into a place of fruitfulness, um, that he is our hope. And Job is maintaining this posture of this hurts and I recognize this. And there are, yes, there are times I want to, I want to die. I want to give up, but I maintain my hope in God, right? That Though he, he slay me, I will hope in him. 
And so that's where we're at in the book of Job today. I hope that speaks to your heart. I hope that gives you some context and some understanding. Tomorrow, we're going to take a look at Job chapter 14 through 17, and we're going to continue in this discourse that we see between Job and his friends. I'll see you next time. Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to Wonder by the Word. We are so grateful that you are here, and I really pray that this episode left you with nuggets of wisdom, that you learned something new, maybe it challenged you, but ultimately that it encouraged you and inspired you to dive even deeper into the richness of Scripture. If the Ministry of Truth and Grace or Wonder by the Word, the reading plan, the episode, all the resources have impacted you in any way, Would you please mind leaving a review, um, sharing this podcast with your friends, all of those little pieces of sharing and encouragement from your part go a long way to help the podcast get into further hands around the world so people can dive into scripture, engage with scripture on a more regular basis. You can also find us on Patreon, which would be a huge benefit to the ministry. And we just thank you so much for being a supporter. We'll see you next time.